Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the bi-monthly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion where we prove definitively that we can count backwards from five. Charles, what was, what was happening on the, the cue there? <laughs> Just never let them know what you're doing. Keep them guessing. Let them know your next move. <laughs> Never let them know your next move. Keep them guessing. <laughs> I like looked away. So Charles always counts counts us down before we start, and I looked away from the screen, and I think you were on three, and I looked back, and you were like between three and two, and I was like, wait, did I miss? I thought like like I had missed something, and you just like made a face like uh one. I was like, oh. <laughs> I think the pina colada is getting to him. Yeah, I think the pina colada. <laughs> Charles is drinking a pina colada out of a very fancy glass. I thought it was milk when he first appeared on screen. It's a, it's a Rainforest Cafe. Class. It's a Rainforest Cafe? Ooh! Yeah, oh, where'd it go? There it is. I love the Rainforest Cafe. <laughs> the blur on your screen. <laughs> oh, the Rainforest Cafe is so cool. Yeah, I haven't been in years. Decades I almost. Mean, Chelsea and I went when... Um, when we went to Disney World for our anniversary mm, in October mm. last year, and uh, we got the commemorative glasses. Oh, dude, that is clutch. I remember as a kid, there was a Rainforest Cafe in some mall. Oh, what's it? Great Lakes Crossing. Great Lakes Crossing. Yeah. Great Lakes Crossing is where the um, the uh, tropical the rainforest, what's the tropical cafe. smoothie cafe? <laughs> rainforest Cafe. Gosh darn. Well, anyway, that's uh, what'd you say, Eli? There's one close to where I work. I just, oh my really? gosh, I remember these bar stools that have that are animal tails. Oh, that's oh, I need to go back to this. You should time. go the experience. I can't <laughs> tell you anything. The last time I went, I think I was, I had moved here, and I think I went with a friend because we were in Michigan for something. Um, I cannot tell you anything about the food because I don't remember, but <laughs> the experience. Oh. <laughs> Wait, you um, have a yeah, thunderstorm every like 10 minutes like oh thunderstorm every comes, 10 minutes the animals amazing. come alive like oh my yeah. gosh that's a lot all right i can't it's wait so good we need to take an <laughs> at the well trip oh we should we talked about this before oh, is he going rainforest cafe no disney world <laughs> oh that too oh. and then we, we can the... do both because there's a rainforest cafe at animal kingdom uh, there you go well, there we go we could probably afford to go to Rainforest Cafe whenever we want to. Disney World is going to take this podcast being a bit big. Do that. You good? So I am, uh, at least for the time being, recording this podcast with, oh, I know, a very fussy seven-week-old. Hello. Who has been back and forth between happily awake and not happily awake all evening so we will see if i can calm her down from this this uh more recent tirade but this is amelia rose who was baptized this weekend mm-hmm. and you two were there thank you for coming and now thank my you. wife is at the door because she heard her now she's grabbing my mouth <laughs> do you want to go with mama we uh, we tried it out uh she wasn't feeling it she was for a bit um but yeah yeah so she was baptized on sunday it was a lovely event um mm-hmm. but Gemma, we're all over the place today how has your week been how, how are we as we 
close out on this Friday with a, another installment in our letters season. I'm exhausted. I've had a very busy week. Um, all good things, just very busy time at work. So I'm tired. That is fair. Are you out of town again anytime soon? Not till not till July. Oh, okay. Like end of July. So that'd be nice. Well, not having to do that again soon would be nice. Right. I echo Charles's words. I am also very tired. I have a business trip, which I'm excited for. This will be my first company trip. Ooh. Um newer job. But we're going to Chicago for Ooh. not quite a week. Um, so that'll be cool. But I hope to actually get around Chicago and see the city because it's Chicago. There's so many. It's, it's like an architectural mm. gold mine there. So I just I need to actually be able to have the free time to explore. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Nice. I'm good. Like been kind of I've been exhausted as well since um, Amelia's baptism. We had a lot of family in town, which is great. But we also had a lot of family in town, so it was like it was just a lot of hosting and uh, being present. So it was it was wonderful to be able to share with everybody. But I've just been kind of tired ever since. And this is our last week of school formally. We have some meetings next week, um, but they were like the last day of exams. So kids are out for the summer. Um, we're just kind of summer. Yeah, so that was that was this week, um, which meant mostly just me sitting around and watching kids take exams or grading exams, but also just a lot of family stuff. Um, so yeah, it was a good week, but glad that things are a bit quieter. Well, let's get this episode started with our question of the week. If you would like to submit a question for us to answer during the segment, you can email us at three guys at the well. That's number three, then guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. This week's question stemming from a conversation we had off mic is what is your favorite Disney Renaissance movie? Mm. I try to pull up the formal list of Disney Renaissance movies. Yeah, I was like, what does Renaissance mean? It's a, it's the era of Disney when they were like at the, from like the early eighties with little mermaid to, I think it ends with Mulan. Yeah, it's the late 1980s to the late 1990s. So it is Little Mermaid, Rescuers Down Under, Beating the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Mulan, Tarzan. So I cried for three of those movies. Which Hercules, were? Tarzan, and Mulan all made me cry as a child. Like okay. I was weeping at Mulan's uh, Before She Leaves, Who Is This Girl I See? I don't know why, but that resonated with me. I was just weeping. Uh, I, I, I've i never had more emotionally in common with a cartoon Chinese girl as a real black boy <laughs> than she was sick <laughs> herself and her insecurity and not living up to expectations. You know, like staring just, at herself in the mirror, like wiping off half a face of geisha makeup. Who is this? <laughs> <laughs> <Boy>. <laughs> um Hercules, when he sings that song about when he's young and he doesn't know where he belongs, and mm. he's like, like at the beginning of the movie, and it was just sung so beautiful. I was like, this is it. I wept. Tarzan, most of the songs, all of the songs are bangers. I like 
I cried at the story of him as a baby. And I was just like, mm. oh, look at the little baby. And I didn't like how Kerchak didn't like him for a, for the longest time. So he I just, jerk. he was a jerk, but, you know, being a gorilla trusting mankind is hard. <laughs> it's hard out there mm. in these streets for a gorilla. So those three movies were, were, oh, loved them. The soundtrack to Tarzan, it can never be overstated. We were talking about this actually. The Baptist, about Prince of Egypt, can never be overstated. Soundtrack to Tarzan goes really hard. Phil yes, Collins had no right, like Phil we did not deserve it. But oh my goodness, it is such a good soundtrack. Uh, so I, is that your favorite? No, it's fun, so fun fact about Tarzan though. Uh, my mom will hear this and she will appreciate it. So you you were both at my wedding. My mom picked. Um, you'll be in my heart as the mother son dance, right? When I was a little kid, she used to like call me Tarzan and still does sometimes. Um, so she picked that song and I, and when she told me like months before the wedding, I was like, oh, it's a, it's a really cool song. I really meaningful be fun to dance to. If you remember, there's a point pretty early on in the song where like we start dancing like really goofy and just like kind of mirroring each other and just like doing like disco stuff. So the reason we did that was because as the song started playing, I got super emotional and was about to cry and didn't want to cry <laughs> because, I, because I like I like wept earlier that day at the altar. I remember because Eli looked at me and said, get it together. Um, <laughs> so I was like, it was like near the end of the day and I was like about to just like start bawling. And so to distract myself, I just started like goofing off. And my mom just followed along. So when my mom listens to this, that's that it was funny. And it, it got some great pictures and videos out of it. But that's why I was like <laughs> on the verge of tears. I was like, I'm tired of crying today. And this is what we're gonna do instead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. What a time. But no, my favorite is probably Hercules. Love that movie. Mm. I know I never understood why people love Hercules all that much like chelsea's favorite as well it's like is okay. it really yeah yeah because she has great taste how dare you <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh i am the great taste so <laughs> i do dare that's that's fair charles does have generally check <laughs> checkmate <laughs> <laughs> um well played well played <laughs> uh i think for me it's probably mulan or the lion king it's okay. just you know like mulan is just epic yeah um, so good it's just epic um and then the lion king is just classic yeah you know like great great story that's me the lion king is so good that i do, i almost default to saying it's my favorite mm. um i think i enjoy hercules more mulan though the the scene the end of the be a man scene when she's like pulling herself up into like the sunlight will never yeah. not give me chills. It is so good. Like as the music swells and like the montage and her just being like super be like, ah, amazing. Milan is so good. Wow. But you don't like Hercules. I mean, I don't not like it, but <sighs> it's it's just wonderful. It is. I have often dreamed. Oh, okay. mm, don't do it. That's the song. Don't do it. <laughs> gonna get Eli weeping up in here. I'm not. I'll just log off. I will just log off. 
I am on my way. Oh, man. Without further descending into karaoke, we will get started with this week's um, passage. So again, we're doing this series called Letters. We're going through the epistles in the New Testament to see what relevance and uh, lessons can be gleaned from them for the church today as they were letters that Paul wrote to many different churches um, back in the New Testament. So we have done 1 Corinthians, we've done 2 Corinthians. Now we are moving on to a much shorter book, uh, but no less impactful, Galatians. And so again, we're getting like the in places where we do our normal set the scene. We're looking, we're reading straight from the website, The Bible Projects, which has amazing overviews, both videos and just written descriptions of every book that we are going through. So for personal study, for future reference, if you're looking to go even deeper with some of these books, cannot recommend The Bible Projects resources enough. We're not sponsored by them at all, um, but it has made preparation for this season so much easier and just very, very helpful. And so we want to cite them properly as we're going to be reading a lot of their stuff um, word for word or verbatim as we get into these books. So from the Bible Project, their overview of Galatians is titled Go Deeper. And that's what I'm going to read now. So Paul's letter confronts the Galatians for relying on laws of the Torah, especially circumcision, to ensure they belonged as members of God's family. He calls this a different gospel because since the beginning, the real good news has never been about earning an entrance to God's family. To prove this, Paul's point, Paul, Paul points back to Abraham as a prime example, reminding readers that Abraham never earned his right relationship with God. Instead, he believed and trusted God's promise that one day all nations would find God's blessing through him and his descendants. God's plan has always been to have a family of people who relate to him on the basis of trust, not the law. The law, as good as it is, does not provide the power to change. What the law cannot do, Jesus fully accomplishes. Through Jesus, the promised offspring of Abraham, God's blessing comes to all nations. His blessings release the spirit to all those who trust Jesus, and his spirit invites and empowers all humanity to live a new life of love in his family. Followers of Jesus are called to cultivate this new life, but they are not required to be circumcised or keep Jewish customs. Paul says that what really matters is God's new creation, the family of people who trust in Jesus and learn to love God and others through the power of the spirit. So that's the Bible Project Overview of Galatians. Now we're going to dive in with the verse or verses, just passages that we uh, personally found most helpful as we kind of read through this book individually. So, Charles, you look very inquisitive. We'll start with you. Take us away. What, what, were, the, what were the things that you kind of highlighted as your go-to verse here? Yeah, I think as I read through this, it was less a particular uh like verse but more of a theme um that was that's laid out and it's the idea of um not being that salvation coming from faith in jesus christ and not through the law of moses which is i think the bible project did a pretty good job but this idea that the galatians was a was a gentile church and he was really writing to them about um not getting caught up in in living as a Jew uh, under the old law. And I was thinking about that and realizing, and I think like too often in in Christianity today, there's this mentality of um, living out rules and commandments and the law of the Lord for the sake 
of their laws and commandments and without really like understanding them um like for example i was just listening to this comedian who grew up in a very strict christian household and she jokes about it but through her jokes you can tell that like her parents uh just laid out rules and and the commandments but like they were just rules for the sake of rules um and and realizing um particularly uh was it chapter five verse six um paul says for in christ jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything the only thing that counts is is faith working through love uh and kind of like extrapolating circumcision uncircumcision it's like it's not the law it's not abiding under the law um being circumcised as the the jewish people were but it's faith in jesus christ and so then living out the commandments and obeying them becomes the outward expression of inward faith it's not the expression of faith and that's what jesus came for is to that point people were under the burden of the law and i think too often people feel the burden of the law or the burden of the law is impressed upon them and we lose sight of the fact that the only thing that counts is faith working through love faith through jesus christ i think it, there's a lot of misconceptions out there about uh faith and works and and for me at least how i understand it what i think paul's getting at is that if we believe put our faith in jesus christ who fulfilled the law through his sacrifice on the cross who uh tore the curtain of of the temple and allows us access and relationship to god the father if we have faith in that person and what he did for us who he is and what he's done for us and who we are in relation to that to that then the response of that faith is obedience to the commandment and not like imperfection but a desire out of responsive love and i really think that like for me that was like the main message i was getting out of here this idea of living as a new creation um in chapter six he talks about that um and that's like everything <laughs> living as a new creation which we have access to because of faith in jesus christ um so that's kind of the the message the 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 thematic message that i picked up on and thought was really um appropriate it, it ties in uh, as well to some of the things we saw in Second Corinthians. Like I think the the rising chapter two, I believe, the verse that um, stuck out to me. Paul says, basically speaking into how the the church in Corinth was reaching out to non-believers. Was he said like the law like kills, but the Spirit gives life. The idea that if all we have is this list of shoulds and should nots or do's and don'ts, then we kind of miss the point. And it isn't just about adherence to those things for the sake of it or for the sake of discipline. It's belief and trust that those things are for our good because we trust that the one who like commend, commit, commends us to uh, carry those out is for our good. 
and the and that has to do with how we relate to ourselves and believing that their first and foremost trust in Jesus is what drives us to make the choices we do, but also in relating to other people who maybe are not uh Christian recognizable, they're not gonna like they're not gonna see the same significance in that. And that's not something that like until they have a relationship with Jesus, you can really expect someone to do or to understand. And so um it kind of it influences the way that we relate to people, not to say, hey, you need to do these things. It's hey, come meet this like person that changed my life. And if it has the same impact on you, well then through faith and trust, you will then make decisions that reflect that, uh, but not putting the the law before it, because that doesn't really accomplish anything. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with the both of you. I, I think it's it's difficult because so much of the Christian life is submitting your life to Christ so that you can be transformed. And that transformation lends itself to displaying the fruit of the Spirit, right? But I think so often when we talk to people or want to convert or want to like bring conversion or um, see change in their life, we're like, okay, we'll just focus on what you do next. Focus on not doing a bunch of other things. Like, so Paul lists out the 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 works of the flesh being evident so sexual morality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmity strife jealousy fits of anger rivalries dissensions divisions envy drunkenness orgies and things like these i warn you as i warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of god right but i think so one that's true um but we don't, it, it, it can be very easy to just prescribe someone a put off rather than a put off and a put on, right? So now that you're no, like, now that you see Jesus as someone worth following, do this now, love, be gentle, have joy, uh, establish peace, don't have rivalries, be kind, be good, be faithful, be gentle and, 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 and live in self-control, like, it, it, I think we have a tendency in the church to expect um, redeemed behavior from people who are devoid of the spirit when we're evangelizing. And if you don't have the spirit, how can you do the impossible, which is live in a way that is pleasing to God? You can't without the spirit. You can't without faith in Christ. You can't. Um, but I also think on the opposite side of the coin, um, I see this now happening where there is this persistent scrutiny of so on one side of the coin we have legalism which is not good and actually ironically makes us more like pharisees than we need to be um but there's also this opposite side of the coin which lends itself to okay well because i don't want to be because i don't want to be legalistic i'm going to scoff at law like i think that in american culture which is not inherently christian but is has been impacted by christianity uh, has used the lack of mosaic law to function as if sin is now a gray area, right? And because we are getting more and more rhetoric from non-Christian sources in media, um, the churches is, there are so many churches that are now struggling um, with what doctrine to keep and what doctrine to let go of um, in order to get people in the pews in order to maintain their congregations, 
um, in order to feel like they're being impactful and loving. Um, uh, e- even love, which is exactly what God is, has a standard, right? And so there is both put on and put off. You put away the works of the flesh, but you put on the fruit of the spirit as he develops them in you and as you submit to Christ. And so like, I think the meat of the of this conversation or part of that can be uh, where we see Galatians 5.13, for you were called to freedom, uh, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I think because we live in such a divisive period of American history where so many different perspectives are always being weighed the same and considered and, and, and made equal, that one, we're not loving our neighbor as ourselves, and therefore we are not living out the summary of the law. Um, but also, but also we're kind of, okay, fine. We are without the law, but that doesn't mean we're lawless and, and in a gray area in terms of what sin is. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I, I'm glad you brought up 13. I was going to bring it up because I think in a lot of people use the freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence and like that word self-indulgence is like a catch-all and includes right. that list of things that you that are in galatians um uh five uh starting in 20 the works of the mm-hmm. flesh all those yep. works of the flesh are are self-indulgent things and people i think can often um say well i you know the law doesn't apply for freedom christ has set me free right so i i have the ability i am free to indulge the in these things but it's very clear nope that's works the flesh um it's those are the antithesis those are the opposites of of the works of the spirit which is a fruit a product of the the faith in jesus christ that we profess that we live out that we receive from the impartation of the Holy Spirit in our lives to live out the fruits that you listed that are there now in, in, in 522 of Galatians. Um, so yeah, I just I, I want to like re-echo what you said, Eli, because I also see like uh yeah, we're not lawless, but people take the freedom and I think maybe twist these passages that talk about freedom to then give them license to self-indulge. And that's right. just, uh, it's just a gateway to sin. <laughs> right. Yeah. I guess the summary is we are free from mosaic law. We are not free to sin. So I like that. That's a good way to put it. And yeah, it's kind of speaking back off. I think that as you kind of said, Eli, particularly as it pertains to, as it pertains to churches as a whole, like it, individuals will make their own decisions people will wrestle with um you know being justified by the spirit but also not like uh removing themselves from law in different ways but i think that uh because paul is writing this to a body of people and so as that pertains to the body and it's 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 i don't i don't pretend that it's an easy thing but i do think that it's gotten um easier in past years when you know so much of so much of uh it, whether it be the pandemic whether it be 
um, just the divisiveness that exists in culture, whether it be we've talked on this show about um, deconstructing and reconstructing whether people are doing that in terms of faith or just other big like pillars in their lives. It's really easy um, if you're not careful and if you don't examine things from a spirit led perspective to look back on things that, you know, we find challenging or tough pills to swallow and kind of write them because it's easy to kind of write them off and say, oh, well, that's that's all the law. And we're kind of free of that. And the truth is, sometimes they're like part of faith that I found is sometimes there's things that are convicting and are un- uncomfortable to re- to re- reckon with that are still necessary. And so and not just being like, oh, well, um, the church says that this is its, its stance it has on whatever moral issue it is that doesn't feel right or that, that doesn't sit right with me. So it must be outdated. It must be from a different time. It must be specific to like something that was written in Leviticus so I can ignore it. And it's like, well, no, like there, there are some things that are absolutely like if you read them in context, you're like, yeah, that's very clearly just specific to a very specific time in Israel's history and where it was then. But there are other things that we'll read that challenge us personally because they deal with the idols that we currently carry. And when we come across them, either individually or corporately as a church, we can't go, well, this is this is uncomfortable, so must not be true anymore. Like a lot of people are going to struggle with this, so this must not be relevant anymore. And, and it's a hard line to walk because I do think it is a fair criticism of the church and fair criticism of specific bodies that like sometimes we don't try to make uh, a message relevant. We don't try as hard as we could to help people see uh, the work of the spirit in their lives. Sometimes we don't try to speak enough into, you know, what does the Bible say about big, big picture uh, social unrest or issues that like you like wrestle with personally or what have you. Sometimes, sometimes that effort is just lacking on the church side of things. And we need to do better in that regard. But that doesn't mean that just because we're afraid of people not receiving messages well that are hard to hear, we don't still give hard messages out of love if they're true. And and I think like kind of getting to both of your points, it's it's not an either or. It's because I I trust Jesus and because I trust them, I know that he will give me peace in the things that I should not I should not worry about. And he will convict me of the things that I do need to worry about and that I do need to hear about, um, which would come from any person that you trust. Like the three of us like like each other's company, we hang out, we can talk about dumb things and serious things. I trust that out of your guys' love for me, if there was something in my life that was a miss, even if it was hard to hear, you'd be like, hey, come on now. And that that might like suck, but if I treated you like, well, I didn't want to hear that today, so it must not be right. And so I'm just kind of distance myself from you guys as friends. Well, that would be, um, that would be inaccurate uh, to the, re- the relationship that we have. And I think that for bodies professing Christ, we need to be consistent and accurate with the relationship we have with Jesus, who does speak hard truths in love. And it's not a matter of like, oh, I don't care who I offend. Like it's, but it is a matter of 
but I'm not going to water down. There's a tact, but it's like, I'm not going to water down what is gospel truth just because I know it is going to be hard. Um, I don't know if that, if that made sense, but that's uh, there's kind of this balance of truth is truth doesn't give you the right to, to wield it as a weapon in a way that's harmful or just kind of tactless. But it also doesn't give you a right to say, ah, that was, that's just something that's unlike in Leviticus. Don't worry about it. You know, there's a balance that like, if we're led by the spirit, we have to work really hard to find in communicating that to people who are, you know, in the midst of different bodies of believers. Amen. One of the other points I I wanted to bring up um, was that just brought me joy. Um, And this goes to, I think, one of the earlier points um, that the Bible Project made when you were reading their their intro to Galatians, uh, Jarrell. So because of how God brought redemption and salvation to earth through Christ, uh, we know that people are not justified by Mosaic law um, or works of the Torah. Circumcision, as you said, is not required because... That's no longer a means by which we show we're covenanted to God. Um, my pastor said once um, in a few sermons regarding this issue, something along the lines of, and I loved it, uh, we aren't in a covenant with God because of the marks on our own bodies, but rather because of the marks on Christ's body. Um, and I know it's a bar, right? Kurt, it's always, it's Kurt. Kurt is a wordsmith, right? Um, and... But I also think it's really important for us to recognize that because Gentile Christians, not just most uh, Messianic Jews, um, are a part of new Israel, are a part of the body of Christ, are a part of God's salvation plan, it's important that we praise God for how intentional he's always been to include people outside of the Jewish people. So like when Jews left their captivity in Egypt, the, it in Exodus, we read that a few Egyptians came with them, right? Like, not as slaves, but as a part of the people. Um, we, When we read about the genealogy of Jesus, we see that there are people in the bloodline of Christ who were not Jewish. As an example, Ruth, she's a Moabite, and not, not just a Gentile, but one who had an adverse relationship with the people of, with the people of God, with Israel. Um, and so <laughs> while I was reading this, it reminded me of that uh, Sunday school song, How Many Sons, How Many Sons, How Many Sons Have Father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> and it, it brought me a lot of joy because it, it it made me realize how incredible it is that I have always been a part of God's plan for redemption in the world. It, it is just that. Gentiles were scooped in when Jesus showed up as an incar- like incarnated in the flesh. It was all we were always included in the plan. Like it was never just I'm saving this select nation of people. It's I'm going to build a spiritual nation and they will be get- gathered together across time and in history and they will be mine at the end of it all. And like we serve an extraordinary God and yeah, praise him for that. I, I just think we need to be impressed with the Lord and how he makes a promise to Abraham and how we are actually the part of that, uh, a part of him fulfilling that. Amen. There's like a, oh, I think it's in Ephesians where Paul says like something to the effect of like, 
from before like the something like before this like uh setting of the world or before something it kind of lays out like how long god has had his plan for salvation it was just i'll, I'll look it up because i'm gonna just butcher it um but yeah i i that's a we talk a lot about the old testament's relevance in light of the new testament charles talked about it, like a book that he's he read that specifically deals with that um i, I love that connection of back then relating to now this was like this was the plan for for all time you know um the only thing i had was uh it i i i pitched this this idea at our last uh recording of doing a character breakdown of what we think the personalities different biblical characters were and the first one i want to do is paul and it's somewhat for passages like the ones in galatians 2 11 through 21 so paul it's paul laying out a confrontation he has with peter and paul had this is not the only confrontation paul had. what was this it was a it was barnabas that he had beef with in acts yeah but so again this this gets to my theory of the apostle paul amazing missionary terrible hang not someone you'd want to hang out with but like a guy who was amazing at what he did um because there's there's no i'm not going to get into it but anyway but it's it's interesting so here whatever surliness paul had i think he was very surly and just like his general demeanor his issue with peter here i think is very interesting and he calls out something really important because basically like peter um peter for a time was cool eating with gentile people who weren't circumcised so under the mosaic law like you know would not have been fulfilling that part of the law he was fine eating with them for a while until james brought some guys with him to antioch where the church started uh who were circumcised and who were like culturally uh jewish and like ad adhere to the old law and then peter wouldn't hang out with the gentiles and i think they might have been greeks um if i'm not mistaken wouldn't hang with them anymore like wouldn't sit with them and, and paul uh i love the first verse because he says now when peter had come to antioch i withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed <laughs> it's it's a very paul thing to say i withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed but his point was peter you know was ministering to this like good news of jesus christ of like it's being justified justified by faith in who he is and not by works but then in his actions was drawing distinctions and kind of showing favoritism paul even says at one part of this like god shows no partiality i think it might be early in the chapter but he's calling out peter's actions of like you're preaching this gospel but then when it comes down to it, you're put, you're physically separating yourselves from people who don't adhere to it the way that you do, while also claiming that that's not the most important thing. And so this kind of elitist mentality that existed within the body with, of, of missionaries at the time, this, these are the original apostles, right? And I just thought that was so uh, interesting and so telling. One, because it's I, I love... Uh, I love depictions of the disciples as real flawed people of which there are many but this idea that like peter like the peter who betrayed jesus was accepted back into the fold at the breakfast by the sea um all of this 
when it like in a moment of just kind of I don't know like peer pressure, like feeling himself a bit too much, that Peter who knew Jesus as well as well or, or better than anyone else still drew a line between him and other believers and like had had to have that moment of Paul withstanding him to his face to call out that kind of elitism because of how damaging it could have been to the body of like putting there's the the, the um accounts of what as well like Paul talking about or is it Peter the tarp the tarp with yeah. the so, was that Paul? So Peter, was given, Peter was given that vision it was Peter. Yeah, it was, it was Peter. Peter. So but that yes, means that you. Peter had to give that had to be given that vision and then preach that to people. Yeah. To like dispel the reliance on kosher law. Yeah. So same thing. Yeah. I thank you. So that was the, that we'll get into that's another story I want to get too deep into. But yeah, Peter like had a, a vision from God that kind of spoke to that thing of like this is the old law. That is fine. If you adhere to that, that's fine. But that's not what you hold people to. And so it's it just speaks to one, the just the sovereignty of God that he like gave Peter that word to speak because we see Peter kind of coming short early on in his ministry with Paul. And so I, I think the, the relevance to not just church leaders, but to like church folk, quote unquote, is like, do you in ways that are inappropriate or elitist, keep your non-church friends, quote unquote, at arm's length. Right. And there's a difference. Like there, there's, we, we said in the last episode, like there are certain like things where it's like, I don't, I don't get down like that because of, because of my faith or whatever, but is there, a, but let's be aware of our actions that we're not kind of putting friends that we know from church or in faith context in one box and relating to our other friends in a way that's less loving, that's less inviting, that's less warm. Um, we should have a posture that welcomes people in. And if we're doing something that kind of says, Oh, you guys sit over there. I'll sit over here with my real friends. You know, that puts, barriers between them and the gospel through our behavior, through our casting out of them. Um, and there's grace for it. And hopefully you have a friend like Paul who withstands you to your face because you are to be blamed. But um, I think it's a good thing to note because I think it's easy. It can be very, very easy, especially in very insular church culture to put people in boxes. Like these are my church friends, these are my non-church friends and I keep them separate or I just don't really relate to my non-church friends in a way that's as winning or as engaging um so yeah just kind of as, as a warning uh because if it's a warning that was good enough for peter it's it's good enough for us i think in addition to that it's not just the causing division like because there's going to be a degree of division that exists between inside the church and outside of the body of christ mm -hmm. but i would even go so far as to say is there going to is there division within your church like mm -hmm. Essentially, what's happening here is that people within the church are divided over something that God made very clear is not meant to be a point of division. But like sometimes in church culture, you can have like church cliques. And, you know, I, I grew up with this set of people and we do this sort of things. And this is how our families function. And if you don't do that, well, you know, you're not our brand of Christianity can kind of show up in certain church cultures. And so like my the warning that I that I, I get with this in 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 tandem with yours is do not cause division within the body of Christ over things that God has already resolved. Like if it ain't meant to be like if, if this is not a, a point of. A point of gospel truth or a point on salvation, who are you to, to make a, a, a legalistic stand 
on anything. Like for Peter, like, <laughs> and that's why I think it also is difficult because it must have been hard culturally for Peter to to grow up, his spend his entire life having kosher law and then being like, well, I can, you know, have bacon wrapped shrimp now. <laughs> and it's not like that was suddenly on the menu now, but, <laughs> but, but to suddenly have a whole bunch of Gentiles who used to be excluded, who you lived a very excluded and holy life from, and to then see how they eat might been, might've been like a little much, but like, are you doing, are you being obedient quote unquote, because it's what you're used to or are you doing it because it's what God said to do? Like, and if God gives you freedom to do things and if God's giving you the ability to live a particular way, live that way. And don't be a stumbling block to people who are not, who should not be held accountable to the things that you, that you are used to, or you're accustomed to. Um, so I, yeah, don't be welcoming to people outside of the church so that they can see the light of Christ. And don't cause division within the body of Christ because there shouldn't be. We all function as one body. I like that. Are you being obedient because it's what you're used to or because it's what God is, is called you to? That's that's a word, man. I also love the image of like Peter's at like a cookout and someone gives him bacon wrapped shrimp somehow and his eyes get really wide and they're like, good, right? And he just goes, I've been eating this the whole time. Yeah, that's uh, that's what you're telling me. This was always a joke. His culinary palate suddenly was <laughs> wide open. <laughs> Peter becomes like a he just like is a, a serious like grill dad. Like he's just always <laughs> slaughter the pig. Slaughter the pig. Well, look at the marbling on this one. <laughs> like that. Like it's to the point where it gets annoying for everybody else. Where it's like, all right, Peter's gonna want to. We got it. We're gonna have an evangelistic, you know, barbecue on Sunday. Peter's gonna want to prepare the meat. James pipes up. I mean, I could do it. Peter's pretty busy. Peter's gonna want to prepare the meat. Just let him do it. He's prepared fish him. all his life. Right. <laughs> he wants to change base. Got some char, char grilled salmon here and some pork loin. Oh yes, barbecue yeah. Peter. Goodness. Well, that is all that we have on Galatians, as well as what may have been or may not have been Peter's uh, barbecue hobby. Thank you so much for listening. Um, you can check us all out at thewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every other Monday on, on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and like to help the podcast grow, consider becoming a patron and head on over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting new bonus content, which is soon to be our apostle personality conversations. We need a name for it. Um, but until then, I'll talk to you soon here at the web.